It's been a while. It's been too long, man. I miss this. I know. Um, I have no idea who this person is, to be honest with you. I've never heard of them in my life. Oh, so you're really about to mess me up right now. Yeah, because <laughs> I'm not going to be able to... This is this is probably the one person that I don't have a personal relationship with. <laughs> okay. Okay, so... Apparently, this is one of the most successful businessmen in America. Okay. The true rags to riches story. He was born in Jacksonville, Florida. And his parents immigrated from Guadalajara, Mexico. Guadalajara. I know we've definitely covered some people from Mexico. So I'm assuming this has to be an entrepreneur, right? Okay. Wait, hold up. I think, wait, is it say something? Hello. Okay. Yeah, you're there. Okay. So this is an entrepreneur. Um, came here from Mexico. Is it like, okay, what, what type of industry are they in? So type of industry. You, you got to look into it. <laughs> <laughs> let me, let me get back to you. <laughs> uh, no. So he's the founder of a, an investment advisory firm that manages millions of institutional and commercial money. It's an investment advisory firm. This is on the website. This is on the website. Show us how much we know. Uh, is this person the hundreds of millions? Is this a billionaire? Last one. This is a hundreds of millionaire. The only person, because I know his last name is Spanish. Is this Dan Pena? Oh my God. Yes. How'd you know that? Like who? Who is that? Do you know who they are? Yeah, yeah. Okay, so you know who um Jason Capital is, right? Uh, no, I don't actually. He was this dude who I only knew because back in high school, like he had a big YouTube channel on like dating and girls and like how to be more confident with girls or whatever. So like mm-hmm. I used to watch his stuff back on YouTube. And uh, now he's like an entrepreneur who like sells like copywriting courses and stuff like that. Um, But he's always in these, uh, you know, whenever he does like any of these keynotes talks, he's always with Dan Pena. And Dan Pena is like, honestly, like the most vulgar person. He's like this old man who's like definitely has like a finance background. I I know he's like in the military for a little bit, but he's just like a a cold hearted man. Like he's just so like curses all the time. Like, yeah, work hard. Don't be like he'll use his he's like says pussy and everything like on his like he's like very, very vulgar. Yeah. And I knew he was Spanish because I remember editing the article on him and that, you know, I would always knew his last name was Pena. But like, yeah, he came here. I was like very poor, went to the military, came out, like had a finance background. And then I knew he like did something as like a, it, some type of like institutional investor or something like that and had like his own firm. But he's worth like half a billion dollars, right? Yeah, he's worth $450 million. Yeah. Okay. Um, no, yeah, I remember. I remember. That's actually that that's actually the episode. So um, that, that's it. Uh, <laughs> we, we got, it's been a pleasure guys we, yeah, I'm glad, we got glad it um there's nothing more uh to yeah. really discuss but <laughs> now, i mean honestly there isn't much on dan Payne, but uh i don't know i didn't know who this guy was but he was born in 1945 and like i said in jacksonville um he didn't he grew up poor his parents immigrated from guadalajara and because of this he grew up speaking spanish and obviously um became bilingual because of his heritage mm-hmm. he later moved to east los angeles california where he spent his formative years in the latino dominated community 
crime and violence were common places back in the day, with many of these events occurring directly around Pena. I think it's, is it just Dan Pena or Dan Pena? I think it's Pena. Pena. I know he has the little thing on top of the N, so I think it's oh, yeah. Pena. Oh, yeah, it's Pena. Yeah. Um, throughout elementary and middle school, he would repeatedly get in trouble for local neighborhood wrongdoings. Despite his troublemaking nature, he was very smart and driven in school. He attended and later graduated from Reseda High School in 1963. It's crazy. I've never heard of this guy. He's not like, you know, he's not like a mainstream entrepreneur. Like, sure, he's worth like half a billion dollars. But like, yeah. I feel like unless you listen to a lot of motivational like business videos, you probably would never hear about a lot of entrepreneurs, honestly. That's true. Yeah. Honestly, it's it's probably a little bit more encouraging to hear about stuff like this than, you know, P. Diddy or something like that. Exactly. I mean, that's, yeah. that's not a good example. But like, you know, you know what I mean? No. Yeah. Like, this, like you know, Elon Musk or like someone. Like, exactly. I mean, like it just shows you don't have to be like the super well-known person to have a fucking fuck ton of money. You know? Exactly. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, he's. He's not that well known, but clearly it worked out for him. Uh, he, he, despite doing very well in school, he still had no idea what he really wanted to do in life after high school. He knew he was good with numbers and people, but he couldn't see himself working a nine to five office job. So he did end up spending his days drinking and misbehaving with his friends. Eventually disappointed and upset by this, his father finally threatened to kick him out of the house as a young adult. So in an attempt to make amends with his family, he joined the U.S. Army. He entered voluntarily as a private and graduated from infantry's from infantry officers candidate school, consequently became a second lieutenant at Fort Benning, Georgia. It's a pretty drastic change to go from drinking every day to deciding to um, join the U.S. Army. I feel like that's like a last resort type of thing. It definitely is. I mean, but I feel like that is like a very common last resort. Like one thing yeah. kind of like messed up everything and you're kind of like on a really bad uh, tra- tra- trajectory. It is, I've seen, I mean, saw one of my best friends, he was just kind of like, oh, really? yeah, didn't really like, couldn't really hold a job for too long. Was still living at home. He's like a few years older than me. So like, this is like probably in his later twenties, maybe like 26, 27. And he just joined the Navy and it's probably the best thing he could have ever done for himself. Cause if he stayed here, there was just no way that he might've been able to figure it out, but it didn't look like that was the victory yeah. he was going on. It was, it would have been worse if he they put him on like a better course than yeah. he was before. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Gave him a job, gave him responsibilities. That's uh-huh. the decision he could have done. And it pays for your school when you get back, which is huge. Yeah. Like depending mm-hmm. on whatever, like you can get into uh, if it's super expensive school and it would pay for it if I'm correct. Right. Or is that only public school? I don't know. That's I think, super- I think a lot of the programs within the military have like a uh, student loan, you know, reimbursement plan. So I think, I think, right. I, I don't know. There probably might are some caveats of like which schools do and don't get covered, but I'm pretty sure it covers a lot of it. Yeah, no, I, that, that's, I think that is true. Cause my dad was also in the Navy and uh, I don't think he went to a public school. I know he didn't go to a public school yeah. and um, I, I'm pretty sure because he was in the Navy, it was like paid for. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, again, there isn't a ton of information on his life story and like a lot of the stuff that he went through aside from him being, you know, aside from him just misbehaving as a child. But when he did leave the, the army, he finally felt that he gathered the life experiences he needed in order to move on to the next step. So this would eventually be the business world. Using the connections and networks he obtained in the army, he ended up securing a large business loan and set off to start a number of endeavors. Today, Dan Pena or Dan Pena operates dozens of large to small businesses, resulting in the handsome net worth he has today of four hundred fifty million dollars. Big boy bucks. Big boy bucks. Uh, his primary business venture today is called the Guthrie Group, 
which he is both chairman and founder. This is what I was talking about before. Uh, it's often shortened to TGG, but it's an investment advisory firm that manages millions of institutional commercial money. So without a doubt, this is like his primary uh, net worth grower. As a matter of fact, he has admitted in the past that his involvement with this business has allowed him to start more than half of the other companies he owns. So it's kind of a goes to show that just one that kind of works out can end up funding the rest. And, you know, you just, you don't need them all to hit. You just kind of need one to hit for the most part. Yeah. I know that's a really big like VC strategy as well is like they say, you know, you invest in like a hundred companies, only three are successful, but those three recoup the losses of the 97 that fail. Yeah. Uh, and I have seen, you know, the more and more I've looked into it, cause you know, we've talked about like, you know, what it's like to raise equity or like, you know, taking out loans uh, for a business and the loan route, like if you have like cash flow, the loan route just seems to be like one of the smarter routes that you can take because you hold all your equity. You can still get a whole bunch of money, which is what uh, Pena did, but then you're like still a whole owner of your business, you know, which is like how you become rich. Like very few people become rich off of their income. It's because of the equity that they own in something. So it's pretty cool that he was able to like go out. I'm assuming it helped a lot that he was a veteran, take out a business loan and then start a bunch of businesses that did end up well for him. Yeah, no, that's kind of what I was thinking. And it's all, it's kind of a transferable type of idea too, because I think we also talked about, you know, you don't need I mean, most people don't need a billion dollars. Like a lot of people would be just happy with like a million or, you know, hopefully 10 million, but you don't need it to be this gigantic thing. Like it's just, he happened to have this one that worked out and because of it, it funded the rest of his, uh, the rest of his, his ventures. For sure. Uh, do I sound a little better now? Oh yeah. yeah you sound good. Okay. Yeah. Um, so outside of this, he also serves as chairman for GWRI, which is a natural resource company that currently trades on the London Stock Exchange. So while oil crashed, Dan Pena actually took advantage of this and purchased tons of barrels with the business loan he received. And in doing this, he was able to jumpstart a massive natural energy company with the help of other investors. Um, so just a very business savvy dude. I mean, it's kind of crazy because he didn't really, it doesn't seem that he really had a background in, you know, a background in business or a background in, in finance or anything like that. His parents were immigrants. It seems like he taught himself a lot of what he needed to know to get to where he is today and just kind of used his connections that he gained from the army. So it's not, not like a flashy story, but it's just one that kind of should still, still encourage some people in a way, because it's, these are kind of the ones that should in a way probably give you some more hope than like we just said before, like a, uh, uh, Elon Musk or a Jeff Bezos type of story. So, no, for sure. I forget who this guy was, like Sir something. Oh, it's going to mess me up. He was an English investor who I think was around during the Great Depression or one of the yeah. famous market crashes in like the early to mid 1900s. But to um, this point that Dana, that Pena did, where he purchased a ton of barrels of oil when it crashed, yeah. this guy saved like $10,000 or $1,000. And during the stock market crash, he invested in every company he could that was trading under a dollar a share. And, you know, a lot of them failed, of course, because, uh, you know, the market was crashing. It was a terrible depression. But mm -hmm. the one that, that succeeded, he like, you know, 100x his investment and became like this huge, huge investor of the 1900s. But it's like taking advantage. Warren Buffett's big on this, too, is like sitting on money when everything's really going well, because, you know, at some point things are going to turn around. And then when you have, you know, that cash just on hand, mm -hmm. 
able to invest in like really good op- market opportunities. Like I, I look at the opposite right now with like oil, like oil is trading at like rock high, you know, yeah. prices right now. So if someone were to short oil right now, because you know, and who knows, because a lot of investing is timing, but mm-hmm. a lot of these things is just acknowledging when things are really trading outside of its norm, either very, very low or very, very high. And just having enough capital and the wit to sit on it and go, okay, this is a great opportunity to either short an opportunity or to invest in an opportunity. And Pena clearly did it when the mm-hmm. other was right for oil, which just shows how savvy he was. Yeah. I mean, the the, the Buffett example was, was big because I think this is the weirdest thing for me to understand about just investing in general was that mm-hmm. it's not like gambling. It, you know, it's not like supposed to be something that you get some short term, like huge cash and you take it out type of thing. It's called an event, like anything else, like an investment of your time. Like it's a long-term thing. So it's kind of the simplest concept that should be simple enough to understand, but for some reason isn't, doesn't register with a lot of people, but it's something that you just let sit in a way. Like he just happened to have the resources he decided to basically invest his money into oil and you know it worked out because he didn't expect it to be something that wasn't going to make him like a short-term like influx of cash like he was like oh this down the road is going to come back so i might as well just do it now so yeah yeah, it's it's so simple but it's it's something that i feel like you know a lot of people including myself when like i started learning about you know finance and, and stocks and all that type of stuff like for some reason you think it's something that you need to make money from like short term and very fast. Yeah. And I think that's why so many people are unsuccessful um, yeah. investing. And I definitely fell victim to that, even though I was really into, you know, equity trading at a point. It's just because you see all these stories of like, oh, this person, you know, did an options trade and they like 10x their initial investment and everyone pulled it out. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Everyone wants to make money so quickly. And yeah. because of that, you do the things that you that are counterintuitive um, to not counterintuitive. You do the things that aren't going to lead you to long-term success. Like if you look at some of the most successful investors from like Ray Dalio to Warren Buffett, mm-hmm. these are all long-term holders. But instead of following the most successful people in the world, you'd rather follow like an Instagram ad. That's like, this is how I made a hundred thousand dollars in a year, mm-hmm. in, you know, stock trading. And people do it. We've had people on the podcast who have done that, yeah. but it's just one of those things that like, not to say it's luck, but it's not one of, it's not as easily replicable as doing a buy and hold strategy, which is the most common way to achieve long-term wealth. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's weird. Yeah. It's, I feel like it's not what's initially, well, it's probably what's initially taught, but for some reason, like the first instinct is like, you know, to make a quick buck. But I guess that, like you said, it's probably just cause you hear stories from people and you're like, Oh, I could do it too. Yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's, that's the story of Dan Pena, the, the man that you somehow knew, uh, I, I still have never heard of him, but, um, some of the key takeaways are that the beginning is not the end. So he grew up in East Los Angeles, a city notorious for crime violence. So while he could have looked at his surroundings and thought like, this is it, you know, I'm not going to get out of this. So he was instead inspired by this and he wanted to make a change. So it's kind of something that you look at for yourself and you should also strive to always get ahead in life, no matter what the circumstances are, regardless of where that starting line is. Uh, second, and I get, I think this kind of did stick out throughout the story, but hustle beats talent. I mean, he's definitely not the type of person that had something handed to him. Like, so he started from nothing. He was able to build a multi-million dollar enterprise uh, and he did it just off sheer, sheer willpower, dedication, proving that, you know, you don't need to have a specific type of background to make it. So don't be discouraged if you don't think you naturally have it, quote unquote, but many of the people who have succeeded didn't have it either like Dan Pena. So, mm-hmm. um, and the last thing is that to always give back in a way. Um, I think 
despite ma- despite amassing a multi-million dollar you know business he's never really forgotten his roots you know obviously he we joked around like he, he's a vulgar dude and he messes around but he did he is very he's known for being very humble according to the story and as we should all do we should all kind of just strive to stay humble regardless of where our own net worths take us i mean um you know, it's not his is not nearly as high as you or I's is, but it's <laughs> at a certain point you you, you hear us like we we're, we're just normal guys. We just we yeah. just kick it around, you know. Like you don't have to. We don't we don't talk about our net worth because it's it's too high. Like yeah, exactly. I don't I don't think they have numbers for that yet. The yeah, numbers don't go too high. Yeah, like they they haven't written it down yet. So no. it, it, we we stay humble just like Dan Payne does. Um, I can't, I, I can't, I can't speak to, you know, his character. Cause he, this is actually, like I said, the first person that we covered that I've never met. So, uh, yeah, and haven't grown up after this though. Yeah. The only person I haven't grown up with. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> <laughs> I had Elon on the block. I had, uh, Dennis Rodman on the other way. I had Kobe right across the street. Uh, Warren Buffett downstairs. He lived with me. Yep. And, uh, yeah, just surrounded by greatness. Uh, <laughs> but that's pretty much it. That's Dan Payne, man. I don't know if there's much more to, to say. No, Seems like a very impressive dude. No, definitely very impressive. I love covering the stories of people who don't come from much and, you know, make something out of themselves and don't use, like, where they come from as a crutch, but use that instead as, like, the propeller to bring them to where they are today, you know? Yeah. And so, very, very cool guy. You should listen to some of his, uh, if you haven't, if you type in, like, Dan Pena motivational videos, like, he has he has some pretty good ones, so I definitely mm. recommend, like, watching one or two. As it's mm. very vulgar, very, like, over the top in your face. Yeah. Very, very smart dude. You know, I highly recommend him. Yeah. The whole time, it was just Marcus. Like, you're actually Dan Pena. Like, it's just a, it's just a video of you at a TED Talk. Yeah. <laughs> All right. That's it for today. Uh, we'll be back uh, fresher than ever. Not next week. Next week, we have another great interview. But the week after, we'll be back covering the net worth of uh, celebrity entrepreneurs. So you're not going to miss it. Yes, sir. Until then. Oh, my God. I almost freaked out. Wow. They changed.